Truth Espresso, episode 101. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hey there, Truth Espresso fans. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, coming at you with another exciting episode of Truth Espresso. And this is episode 101. That means we had the big 100 last week. And I hope you had a chance to listen to that. If not, go ahead and check that out because my wife, Chelsea, joined me to discuss really all the episodes that we had on Truth Espresso, episodes 0 through 99. And that was a great episode, an overload of topics, but just a little bit of discussion, a little bit of summary, and some highlights from different episodes, and a thanks and shout out to the guests that we had on Truth Espresso. So it was kind of like a celebration, and so check out episode 100 if you haven't. And if you have, you know, no one's stopping you from listening to it again, And now, what do we have in store for this exciting episode number 101? We are going to look at a story. So this is story time with Daniel, if you will. But this story isn't your typical fairy tale story or a bedtime story that you might read to your kids if you have kids. This is a true, real, life-type story. It's a story that has been in the news. It's a story that is relevant for all the stuff that's going on today. In particular, this story has to do with COVID-19. Now, if you have just about had it up to here with all the stuff about COVID-19 since March of last year, well, I hope you can put yourself in the saddle and get your spurs on. And oh, yeah, that's not really a good metaphor for this, but get ready for a wild ride because this story has two sides to it. And we are learning about the story very recently that things may not be quite as they seem. And so the title of this episode, 101, is COVID Lies, the Rebecca Jones story. So what is this story about and who is Rebecca Jones? Well, we are going to answer those questions as we dive in because it's about Florida. So if you have been tracking all the COVID stories state by state and how the different states in the United States have had different policies regarding stay-at-home orders and mask mandates in some states are quite tyrannical in other states, like even South Dakota with Governor Christy Noem, they never really locked down at all. They've had uh, freedom there, at least according to state policy, as if there was no pandemic. Of course, some states have had lots of criticism and other states have had lots of praise over policies, uh, regardless of which side of the question of COVID policy you might fall on. 
So let's look at Florida's COVID experiment, and let's look at a timeline that will lead into our story about a certain Rebecca Jones. On April first, twenty twenty, this was early on in the the pandemic. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, like governors in other states weeks before, ordered that only quote unquote essential business activities would be allowed. And he wasn't doing a whole lot different there. Now, although he did have critics that would say that he took too long to enact these lockdown stay-at-home orders, but nevertheless, April 1st became typical in Florida as was typical in other states. Now we shift forward a few months. We get to August 6th, where Governor Ron DeSantis held a roundtable discussion in Jacksonville, Florida, with some epidemiologists and some scientists who haven't been consulted much during the pandemic. And then on September 24th, he held a video roundtable discussion with uh, health professionals, including Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, a professor of medicine at Stanford, uh, Dr. Martin Koldorf, a professor of medicine at Harvard, and Michael Levitt, a structural biologist at Stanford. So when you have medical professionals from Harvard and Stanford, you'd think that they would be respected. Although the things that they offered did not seem to fit the conventional ideas of how to respond to COVID-19 at the time. So these professors, these scientists at these Ivy League institutions saw lockdowns as destructive and they supported a focused approach to pandemics. Uh, protect the elderly and the vulnerable while allowing the young and healthy to live pretty much normally. They saw this as how to deal with a virus and not destroy an economy in the process. Seems pretty reasonable. Ultimately, Dr. Martin Koldorf and Dr. Jay Bhattacharya would join other scientists to draft what they called the Great Barrington Declaration, which promoted this idea that to deal with a virus that could be considered serious would be to focus policies to protect the elderly and other vulnerable people while allowing those who were young and healthy to go about work as normal because you have to work to produce and you've got to produce to take care of the vulnerable and you've got to earn money to take care of your families. And this was the Great Barrington Declaration, and the media didn't really pay much attention to that. And Facebook ultimately took down the official site, the the official page for the Great Barrington Declaration. Now, this roundtable, as I said, was on September 24th in 2020. And so, with the advice of these scientists convincing Governor DeSantis, the next day, September 25th, DeSantis ended all lockdowns and mask mandates across the state. Now, naturally, there were some localities and businesses that could have their own requirements, 
But DeSantis wanted to make sure that political officials couldn't enforce fines or pursue other legal recourse. And so DeSantis wanted to make sure that the statewide policy was that no one could enforce any fines, even if they had their own policies for masks or capacity limits or so on. Now, on March 18th, 2021, so not long ago as of this recording, uh, Governor DeSantis held a roundtable discussion, as he liked to do, with some scientists, uh, his uh, friends that he's had on before, who advised against the policies that most states were taking to lock down economic activity. So, Governor DeSantis was giving these uh, a voice in these roundtables because the media does not like to interview them very much. Uh, These included Sunetra Gupta, an epidemiologist from Oxford, Dr. Scott Atlas, an MD from Stanford, who former President Trump um, later hired on, and, of course, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya and Dr. Martin Koldorf. And then on April 6th, 2021, DeSantis held another roundtable discussion about unemployment and COVID-19 with the scientists mentioned before who advised against lockdowns. And soon YouTube removed this video because it advised against the harsher policies that they claim is the consensus when, you know, we can see it's obviously not the consensus when you have Ivy League epidemiologists disagree. So Florida's approach seems to be quite different from most other states in the United States. Many people praise DeSantis for having the courage to let people flourish against media backlash. Others have harshly criticized him for caring about politics and dollars over the lives of Floridians. But our story for this episode isn't really about DeSantis. This is a background for the real story that we're going to look at. It's about one of DeSantis's critics who rose to stardom and controversy. Enter Rebecca Jones. So, Let's look roughly at the story that has been told about Rebecca Jones until recently, and then we're going to see what appears to be the real story. So what is the original story about Rebecca Jones? Well, here is my summary, as has been promoted by Rebecca Jones herself. So, Governor Ron DeSantis was desperate to defend his political agenda of letting Floridians be Floridians. After DeSantis rolled back some COVID restrictions in April, he wanted the data to vindicate his reckless policy. He ordered officials at the Florida Department of Health to fudge the COVID numbers to make things look like they're getting better. In other words, he wanted the numbers to match the policy of allowing businesses to be free against the kinds of policies that had been enacted and continue to be enacted in other states. And one unfortunate soul at the DOH was a sweet young data scientist named Rebecca Jones. 
She managed a report dashboard on a website for the DOH that reported COVID-19 figures. She was among the employees whose jobs were on the line if they didn't turn the truth into a lie to make DeSantis happy. So, Ms. Jones refused to comply with DeSantis's evil scheme. And then the governor told her boss to fire her from the department on May 18, 2020, for essentially being a saint and caring about the lives of people. According to a glowing article by Ava Lumar for WUFT News entitled Rebecca Jones and the Consequences of Whistleblowing, Ms. Jones, after being fired, accessed an old email account and dispersed a message to her former fellow employees that, quote, warned state workers to speak up before thousands more died in the COVID-19 pandemic. Unquote. So, as months went on, Miss Jones bravely shared her story in the media. She was interviewed on CNN alone five times, and she was interviewed on MSNBC and other media outlets to share her story. She gallantly spoke the truth to power about how Governor DeSantis was trying to silence her efforts to save Florida from destruction. For his own selfish political gain, DeSantis was forcing the DOH to manipulate the data to remove or minimize the true number of cases and deaths. Hospitals obviously were being overwhelmed, and many families had to say goodbye to loved ones in silence because of DeSantis's political maneuvering. The tentacles of DeSantis were everywhere across the state to cover up the greatest public health conspiracy in history. And then, after several months of media appearance telling her story, on December 3rd, DeSantis sent police goons to Ms. Jones's house to harass her. They pointed guns at her. They acted hostile while she was afraid and tried to be compliant. They demanded that anyone else who was in the house, such as her husband and little children, come down the stairs and face the barrel of a gun pointed at them. Police pinned the family while others snagged computer equipment. The crime? Telling the truth about Governor DeSantis's death conspiracy, of course. The governor clearly sent the police to frighten Miss Jones and to steal her computer so she couldn't tell the world what was really going on. Miss Jones was being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Well, unfortunately for Governor Ron DeSantis and his goons, this only empowered Rebecca Jones even more. She was back in the media with interviews to tell her new story of how the governor tried to shut her up with a police raid. Well, she wasn't about to be silenced. She was going to fight this battle as long as she had breath. After some legal battles, Ms. Jones would face a slip-up. Police found some employee data on some of her electronics. And as petty as it was, this was enough of a smoking gun to justify the raid. 
They got what they wanted. Now there could be an arrest warrant. So while Jones was held in custody, she got the dreaded COVID-19 virus herself. She had to deal with this virus while being in jail. And then when she was released, she had to go into quarantine. And finally, when she got better, she went back to her family in Maryland as they had recently moved from Florida. Her legal battles only continued as she had to drive back to Florida to appear in court. She was prepared to deliver the keynote speech of her dreams to the American Association of Geographers, but she had to record a video ahead of time, and her audience would have to watch a video in her absence because she had to deal with being dragged into court in Florida. Her legal woes continue now as I record this, and the fight for justice is hard. So who is going to win out here? A political governor perhaps trying to set himself up to be a frontrunner for the White House in 2024, or a humble young whistleblower who refuses to be silenced? Now, this was my summary, this was my take after research on what has been claimed and what has been covered by the media and by Rebecca Jones herself up until pretty recently. But, as we shall see, there could be a real story that is quite different from what has been the official story all last year and up until May of 2021. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. And so I got most of this information as I'm going to tell the story from several articles by a Charles C.W. Cook as I tell the story in my own words. The first article for the National Review is entitled Rebecca Jones, the COVID Whistleblower That Wasn't, uh, released on May 13th. The second from Cook for the National Review is entitled, Rebecca Jones Admits She Was Never Asked to Delete COVID Deaths in Florida, released on May 21st. So, as Cook has unveiled, Ms. Rebecca Jones has been guilty of a litany of crimes and misdemeanors. In 2019, she wrote a lengthy autobiography in which she innocently tells how she treated her ex-boyfriends. For one of them, she harmed his car and threatened his family. While she worked at Florida State University teaching, she had an affair with a student in her office. She also took out a part of this writing that got her into trouble. Uh, the part she took out had vivid text messages with an ex-boyfriend and, shall we say, X-rated pictures of part of him. Uh, stalking, theft, and lying about past crimes seems to litter her legal record. 
But despite all these past problems, the Florida Department of Health still graciously hired her. Her job wasn't a super high-level job, but it's better than she perhaps would likely have gotten elsewhere. In 2017, the state of Florida had charged her with what they called criminal mischief. In Louisiana in 2018, she had to get an official no-conviction statement to clear a charge against her of physical violence against the police officer. So, this uh, young woman has certainly had her run-ins with the law. And yet, the Florida DOH still hired her for a job. Now, at this job, as a dashboard manager for COVID-19 data, Ms. Jones was in charge of basically taking the data and putting it on a dashboard, kind of in a pretty format for reporting. On May 6th, her boss emailed someone in labor relations asking to check into some of her unruly actions while working this job. Apparently, Ms. Jones was taking confidential data, including employee data, and posting it on the internet. Uh, they determined that they would either do some kind of what they called management counseling, or the other option was to fire her, depending on how she continued to act against warnings to stop what she was doing. By the end of the day, they retained her position, but told her she could no longer manage the COVID data dashboard. Now, they told her this, but they didn't technologically restrict what she could do. Jones then continued to abuse her unwarranted access. She created a new account for herself and started to transfer the COVID data there. The hit on the system from this bandwidth activity caused the dashboard to crash. IT professionals tried to troubleshoot the problem, but they didn't know what the cause was at first. Another dashboard administrator started to restore the data from backup. Of course, this was interfering with what Ms. Jones was trying to do. She didn't like that this would stop her data theft. She stripped the other admin of his permissions. As this was found out, she was told to grant those permissions back. Now, she was told this after one o'clock in the afternoon. It took her the rest of the afternoon and into the evening finally to reply back to that request by email that she would, in fact, do that. Obviously, she took the time to finish what she started without another administrator getting in the way. She finally restored some permissions, but not high enough level, not administrator level ones, to her fellow dashboard admin. He eventually had to get his access back by making some special contacts from someone else. Jones seemed to get away with her data theft for a little bit. Things were going her way for about two weeks. On May 15th, Jones did more of what got her into trouble before. 
This time, armed with the data she stole, she notified all the dashboard users, including public ones. In other words, not all of these were employees uh, inside uh, the Department of Health. She notified all the dashboard users that she was originally demoted in her position because she didn't change the data. Management finally had enough of her breaches and lies and fired her three days later. So even that was pretty gracious. They gave her three days until they fired her after this? But the damage was done, and the media swarmed over her claim of conspiracy like vultures circling a fresh carcass. She actually even falsely accused Dr. Shamariel Robertson, a female African-American epidemiologist, of telling her to remove some COVID data and to reduce the death counts. On Twitter, Ms. Jones had some very harsh terms to describe the character of what otherwise seemed to be an honest and intelligent epidemiologist. On one tweet, Jones called her, quote, the most corrupt, lying, incompetent, and ignorant person that could ever be put in charge, unquote. In another tweet, she responded to a critic defending Dr. Robertson, calling the good doctor, quote, liar, fraud, murderer, unquote. Now, let's think about this. Of course, if the narrative were different, uh, if Rebecca Jones weren't making a conspiracy against a Republican governor, and if she weren't promoting a narrative about how bad COVID really was, we would probably see very justified condemnations of racism. Yet, because the media liked the anti-DeSantis and pro-COVID hysteria narrative, her actions got a pass. None of her claims of being told to delete or manipulate data make sense because her job duties never had her in any position in which she could do anything to the source data. She worked with an exported snapshot, a copy of the data, and never had access to the original raw data. So, Rebecca Jones, now fired from the DOH, runs her own dashboard with data to report what she claims is the truth. But do her figures differ from the DOH? Not exactly. She herself admitted that the data she uses for her personal public dashboard is exactly the same data as the official data. What? So then, what's the problem? Well, it seems that she wants to display it differently. She wants it to tell a different story. She aggregates things differently so that negative figures look worse than how the DOH displays the data. What about the claims of pressure to manipulate or delete data? Uh, No proof at all so far. This conflicts with her own admission that she uses the official data because she was told that she and others were pressured to change it. Apparently, it's Ms. Jones who wants to manipulate the data for the opposite reason. 
She has since gathered a large following on Twitter who are ready to defend her against all explanations, even from real scientists, real epidemiologists, about why her claims are wrong. She and her acolytes are ready to destroy the careers of honest people to promote this narrative. And Jones enjoyed months of profiting from her false narrative since being fired from the DOH and basking in media appearances, making her out to be a martyr for the cause of justice and life itself. CNN had her on the most. She had five interviews with Chris Cuomo alone. Now, remember that Chris Cuomo, who anchors Cuomo Primetime, is the brother of Andrew Cuomo, who's the governor of New York. Obviously, he's going to be a little biased in favor of his Democrat brother's stricter policies in New York and against Republican DeSantis's more lenient policies in Florida. So he ate up this uh, claim of conspiracy. Rebecca Jones certainly became a media darling throughout 2020. However, on December 3rd, 2020, a judge authorized a search warrant. On the 17th of December, police showed up outside Ms. Jones' door requesting to search her house. Now, unlike the story that she told the media, the police never drew a gun on her or on her children or husband. They waited outside for 22 to 23 minutes, trying to ask her to comply and why she wouldn't cooperate. Were these goons sent by DeSantis? No, DeSantis had nothing to do with this. The police were authorized to search her place because there was evidence that she had stolen and abused employee data from the DOH. A judge issued a search warrant. Once the police seized her equipment and investigated, the suspicions proved true. She logged in to the DOH with an account without being employed by them and abused and stole some employee data. Hence, an arrest warrant on January 14, 2020 was filed. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Ms. Jones. Despite Jones's allegations and a lawsuit against the police, there was no evidence that the raid was anything like the tale that she told. She had to drop the lawsuit because she really had no case. The full police video showed no guns pointed at anyone. The dialogue was nothing like the romanticized story that Jones told. Now, did she honestly think she could get away with lying about what the police said and did? Did she not think that police use cameras that can help in court against accusations like hers? This is par for the course. Now, Ms. Jones then turned herself in on January 18th after the arrest warrant was issued. Her trial now awaits for her fraud and for illegally publishing employee information from the DOH. And I'm sure the constant barrage of lies that she has told for the last year will play a part in evidence presented at trial. 
So there really has been precisely zero evidence for her claims about being pressured to tamper with COVID data or that anyone has tampered with COVID data or about the COVID data purposefully being covered up or about the COVID data purposefully covering up cases and deaths in Florida. Now, as we have told the real story as it is being unfolding before our eyes, it kind of raises some questions that I think demand an answer. First question, could Rebecca Jones be the only one brave enough to uncover a conspiracy this vast? So, Ms. Jones was the only one in Florida brave enough to come forward? Aren't there enough honorable medical professionals uh, seeing the hospitals overloaded and seeing the carnage in person to speak up if things were really as bad as Miss Jones proposed? So no one from any of Florida's hospitals would blow this whistle? No doctor or nurse would come forward and complain that they're being overworked and overburdened to handle such an overflow of unreported COVID patients. Really? Only a dashboard manager working for the Florida Department of Health notices that devastation is happening before their eyes and not being reported. Seriously? No one other than one person is stepping forward? When you have such fantastic claims of conspiracy that no one else has, that no one else but you can see, what else can it be but a conspiracy that you have devised? Next question that demands an answer. Will the media who have milked this story to promote a narrative be willing to admit that they were wrong? A lot of articles called her a data scientist. Ms. Jones isn't a data scientist. She has admitted this in a podcast interview that I heard recently. She was a dashboard manager at the Florida Department of Health. She managed a website for the department. She had no control of the COVID data figures. Basically, her skill involved taking data given to her and displaying it on a report dashboard. She's not a data scientist. She's more like a data display artist. And as we see now, even if DeSantis allegedly pressured officials to fudge the numbers, Ms. Jones herself had no authority to do that. She could only work on a snapshot of the data, not the source. So what she said about her being told to fudge the numbers and delete data was a lie. She was fired for misconduct. Her past makes sense of it. Her documented actions at the department more than prove it. In fact, she herself admitted that the data she used on her own site was identical to the Florida Department of Health. She uses the same data that they publish. So if the data on her website is identical to the DOH dashboard, as she admitted, what does that do to her claims about being told to delete data that she couldn't even do? 
So, media, as you have treated Ms. Jones as a darling unveiling a conspiracy theory that never really was, except a conspiracy in her own making, are you going to admit it and change it? Don't just hide, don't just let it fade, and don't just pretend ignorance. Apologize. People deserve to know the truth, especially when there are lies and libel and slander against people for not doing what's claimed of them. Third question that demands an answer. Does Ms. Jones pointing a finger amount to three fingers pointing back at her? May I oppose that those who strongly desire some kind of top-down nanny state to control everyone's livelihoods, like Miss Jones seemed to want, are going to be the first ones to accuse their opponents of what they want to do themselves. And I think we might see a little bit of what we would call projection in Ms. Jones's claims. Now, according to psychologytoday.com, quote, projection is the process of displacing one's feelings onto a different person, animal, or object. The term is most commonly used to describe defensive projection, attributing one's own unacceptable urges to another, unquote. And so, as we have seen from Ms. Jones's problems in the past, as she has constantly lied and harassed people, it seems that she projects her own faults onto other people, especially Governor DeSantis of Florida. So, as Ms. Jones seemed to favor the idea of things being bleaker in Florida than they actually turned out to be, let's look at like minds. Let's look at some COVID scaremongering that we saw during the pandemic. As we have seen, Florida didn't turn into a graveyard of COVID casualties. Ms. Jones's claims of conspiracy can't possibly be true because it would clearly get out much quicker than Jones would do and by many other people, especially those who work in the medical profession. The corpses in Florida weren't piling up on the streets. Beaches weren't washing up humans with the jellyfishes onto the shores. In fact, Florida has done pretty well and continues to do pretty well compared to other states that have had stricter and longer lockdowns and mask mandates. For a while earlier this year, California and Florida had similar COVID statistics but entirely different policies. And of course, the media is ready to jump at anything that would try to make Florida look bad compared to California. But this goes to show that there really is no scientific basis for the idea that destroying the economy and forcing people to inhale their own CO2 actually does anything. The media has long been desperate to prove that tyranny solves all our biological problems. For example, when the governor of Georgia, Governor Kemp, allowed businesses and restaurants to operate at some capacity in April of 2020, The Atlantic ran an article on April 29th entitled, Georgia's Experiment in Human Sacrifice. 
The Washington Post ran an article entitled, Georgia Leads the Race to Become America's Number One Death Destination. Did these dire predictions come true? Obviously not. So the egg should be on their faces. But let me guess, they quietly moved on without retracting and virtually no one will hold them accountable. Even as late as February 10th of 2021, when the governor of Iowa ended all statewide COVID restrictions, the Washington Post ran an article entitled, Welcome to Iowa, a state that doesn't care if you live or die. Are Iowa's cemeteries clearly in need of more real estate? Clearly not. So, COVID lies. The Rebecca Jones story. It seems, as things have been unfolding, that Rebecca Jones is clearly a liar and wanted to focus on a COVID narrative that was worse than the truth. Let's look at some Bible lessons for Ms. Rebecca Jones and for us. Rebecca Jones surely profited mightily from her claims. She raked in a free half a million dollars from people thinking she was persecuted for fighting for justice. She got lots of media attention and became famous and infamous. Let's look at Proverbs 10 verses 2 and 3. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. And as Ms. Jones raked in a lot of money from ignorant donors, it appears that God just might remove some of that substance. As real journalism from Charles C.W. Cook and others are starting to unravel the web that Jones has spun, she is about to see her world of fantasy come crashing down. It will indeed be painful to watch. Some who used to defend her will turn on her because they will realize she took advantage of them. Others will turn on her because they will not be able to defend her and keep their own reputation, even if they wanted to. Her support is going to thin out over time. When she burns through the donations that will dry up, who's going to want to hire her? That is, if she manages to stay out of prison. And then, of course, when she does serve out her term, what will her geography degree do for her? So, Ms. Jones, here's a lesson for you from the scriptures, and I think we should take this one to heart. Numbers 32.23 says at the end of the verse, And be sure your sin will find you out. And so, we have just heard the Rebecca Jones story. And that is yet another, I hope, nail in the coffin of some of the lies being told to promote the idea that the COVID-19 virus has been a lot worse than it really has, because there's a lot of politics involved in spreading fear and making things worse than they really are so that people will be willing to give up their God-given rights and their liberties to the control of power-hungry bureaucrats and governors and even mayors. 
And now as we conclude this episode, if you did, as I mentioned, listen to the last episode, episode 100, we mentioned at the end of it that we have a surprise coming up. And so, yes, I will mention again, be prepared for a surprise, a special surprise to come out pretty soon. Now, I still can't tell you what it's going to be until I've worked that out yet, but let's just say that it involves some words. (laughs) And now I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso. It was a little more political than we have done before. And stay tuned for other exciting episodes of Truth Espresso. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 